Hello, hello, my friends. And as promised, I am back. If you guys heard my previous episode that I published this morning called Writer's Block Podcast Edition, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. I took a break last week and didn't publish any episode with any explanation, nothing. Not even a little bit of a, hey, mother moment, where I do a two-minute episode where I'm saying straight to the point where, hey, get out of autopilot mode. No. Completely went MIA. And personally, that's not okay. So what I decided was I'm going to publish two episodes, one at 9 a.m., the other one at 9 p.m., thought it'd be a nice little treat nice little sorry gift to all my friends family listeners supporters all the above but i almost forgot to mention i am your host jazz like the music or little mother whichever one you prefer and you guys can keep up with all my little adventures at motherknows.com. That's M-U-V-A-K-N-O-W-S.com. That's where I talk about both of my podcasts, which if you guys didn't know, um, Mother Book Mania has premiered, and that is my new podcast that's specifically for all my bookworms. It comes out monthly which is different from this one that comes out weekly and it's available on all streaming platforms so just like all these episodes the ones on there will be unique because you know every book is different some of them will be like analysis some reviews some of them just quick short opinions some of them like what won't like you know the list goes on and on And if you guys ever want to write me or, you know, tell me about somebody you want on a future episode on uh, on this podcast or an idea, a thought, a critique, a compliment, anything, you can message me on Instagram at lilmuva, that's L-I-L dot M-U-V-A. You guys know my favorite thing to say since day one has been, there's no such thing as a stranger. If you write me, I will always, always, always write back. And with that being said, quick side note. My friends, if you ever want to support this podcast, besides being the amazing, awesome person that you are, please check out the show notes. I do have this little thing called listener support. And any amount of denomination will help with future episodes. So, anything counts anything helps but back to this episode I have a little treat I'm excited about this one I have a special guest and we're just gonna go ahead and just deconstruct poetry one of my passions with that being said let's begin hello my friend Have you ever realized how hard it is 
to sit down and read a book sometimes? I'm here to solve that with Audible Plus. Audible Plus takes the hassle out of all that with over 10,000 titles to choose from, and it literally grows every week. So you'll gain access to a selection of Audible originals, audiobooks, and podcasts, including exclusive series for only $7.95 a month. So do me a favor and use that link in my show notes and start your free trial today. Thank you, Audible Plus, for sponsoring my podcast. All right, you guys. So earlier, like I said, I talked about writer's block, podcast edition. And in that episode, I did talk about a couple hobbies. And so that's why I wanted to give another hobby that I love to do that plenty of people already know. I do have a few episodes, mini-sodes, that showcase this. But this episode is going to deconstruct poetry. And I felt like I can't do this alone. I feel like I guess that you guys probably would recognize a very familiar voice can help me along the way. So go ahead and reintroduce yourself. I'm Jared Offit, painter, musician, sculptor, uh, stuff like that. <laughs> Jack of all trades. <laughs> but um, I thought it would be cool to think about poetry and like what's the first thing we think about like when we hear that word so for me probably the first thing that I think about when it comes to poetry is um expression right um just as like you know someone who does other types of expression with visual art or music or something like that poetry is an additional thing um that can be you know you know this expression this way to like sort of convey an idea or emotions or something you know that needs a vehicle you know mm-hmm. um, i'm like the same way like it's kind of cool because I think like expression and like connection because like you know in a way subconsciously we want to connect with other people and so I kind of use those words the same like Mm -hmm. when it comes to poetry so my first word would be connection and mm, I guess it's because this is kind of like a vulnerable state the person on stage or whoever has a spotlight or whatever saying, you know, a piece that they wrote or a piece that they've read that they want to talk about versus the audience member who choose to listen to it. It could be something they just block out. And so that's why I wanted to do an episode like this because I actively um, write poetry and I actively, you know, practice it and everything like that. 
but Jared actively goes to um, poetry shows and of course other shows, but poetry shows and be in a crowd. So it's kind of cool to hear the different viewpoints when it comes to this one thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, part of my interest in going and watching uh, people perform poetry is because it's not something um, that I ever really have much interest in, like having the spotlight for, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, singing songs and playing guitar on stage or like, you know, showing art in a gallery space or whatever. Like those are sort of the, the stages and the platforms that I have the most interest in. You know, being the look at me, look at me type person. Um, <laughs> whereas, like, you know, I, I, I feel like it's um, almost obligatory for me personally to support something that um, I can literally just be the audience to. So, like, do you have like a favorite type of? poetry you don't have to like say a certain genre or whatever it could be a feel or anything like that since you know you don't write it but like what's your favorite type yeah so it's definitely um i think you put it a good way because i immediately started thinking of like specific poets or like specific genres of poetry or eras of poetry or themes of poetry but i think um the way that you sort of like framed it out um it made me sort of have to think a little more deeply on it and maybe like a broader thing and i think that what really gets me is um being clever with it right mm-hmm. so being really clever with the way that you say something whether it's like a really great rhyme scheme or if it's like, you know, a unique sort of like symbolism or metaphor, you know. Um, and then also, um, I really enjoy sort of like off-kilter things. Um, things that are sort of surrealist ideas, things that are a little, maybe like weird, um, grotesque, uncomfortable, like, you know, any, anything that's sort of like not not what you would expect kind of catches you you know from from left field sort of deal i like that where you know even you know it could be something as simple as you know a, a big pause um that creates tension in the crowd and then you hit up him with some kind of like you know line or something from that um that's gonna carry that impact Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, something, something like that being really clever with it and then sort of delivering your concepts your communications and expressions um, in a way that I wouldn't anticipate you know yeah I agree like for me I guess this the delivery in the message um, the delivery all in all can be like, you know, it can just catch somebody's attention more than anything. Whether somebody want to just read it, whether somebody want to, um, you know, say it slowly, say it fast, 
they want to scream it, they want to say it as a whisper, all that is for a purpose in my world. And so those are things that have grabbed my attention because I wonder why they're saying it in that tone. And then I go into, what are they trying to say to me? If you sound sad, I'm going to automatically think, oh, this must be a sad poem. So what are they trying to say to me? If you sound happy, I think the same thing. So it's almost like I work kind of like backwards and stuff like that. But It's so interesting because like the, it's like two sides of the same coin. Like, like the thing that hooks you almost is like the performance of the piece. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Whereas like I'm like focusing on content and then we both kind of get get to the same same reasoning. You know. I was getting into like how content relates to that too, because sometimes there could be two different messages. You know. So yeah. I have to basically I have to immerse myself. So I listen to the context first, but this is like how my brain go through like the checklist of making sure I fully understand what they're saying. Not even like what I think they're saying. So the way I interpret what I think they're saying is a whole different thing versus like what what are they saying to me? Right. You know? Yeah. Do you have like those two different methods? Yeah. Um definitely like performance of poetry and you know being in that moment um is something that like i try and be an active listener right um but it's something that i always feel like i need to work more on you know because like i'll focus so heavily on like wordplay or something that sometimes i'll miss the the inflection the emotions you know and like i want to it's almost like when you read a comic book and like you have words and pictures at the same time and the best way to do it is like look at both you know and figure out both um so i almost sometimes feel like it's a like my brain gets a little conflicted with it because there's like so much with poetry for me to try and like dissect in that moment and then oftentimes you know poetry can last like you know a minute or two on stage and you're like oh shit it's it's over already like mm-hmm. i have so many thoughts and questions like you know there's no rewind button especially you know with like live poetry and, and everything you can't go back and read a line you just have to think about what you heard and like you know so maybe that's the way i do it is like a sort of like try and soak it up organically and then i sit with it afterwards and kind of think on it and like really give it that consideration so maybe my like the way I sort of consume it is like in two phases, like present and then past, you know, thinking mm. back on it rather than trying to get everything in that moment. I think because I do it, I'm able to do all that in a moment, but I like how you take a moment to look back at it. Only ones that I really take a moment to look back at is ones that like, you know, really relate to me specifically and I chose like dissected and stuff like that but um yeah I guess you just start getting used to doing that work while yeah. they're you know on stage and stuff because you kind of know like I know I'm not about to get a chorus so I gotta figure out 
what's this rhythm now? Right. I gotta figure out what you're saying now. Why are you singing right now instead of like, you know, rapping? Mm-hmm. You know, so all those things are consistently going on in my brain. And I'm trying to figure out what are they saying to me? Right. It never stops being a, you know, your brain never stops when you're a poet. All these words. But you follow, it's almost like you're dancing with who's ever on stage. Like, they can't dance alone. It takes two to tango. Right. So I got to dance with them. Even if I don't know what they're doing, I know move my left foot back. Okay, let me do this. Okay, we're twirling. Okay, just trust you. Okay. And now we are in sync by the end. And I know exactly kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. Um, it actually made me uh, think of something to ask you about that. Um, like when you perform your poetry, does maybe maybe the, the question is can the audience and their response sort of like give you almost direction in how you should approach the crowd it um it kind of depends so it depends if i have an emotional piece if I have an emotional piece, it doesn't matter how the crowd is. I'm going to say say it exactly how I want to say it. I might cry in between. I didn't plan to cry, but this is what's going to happen. I can't, I can't choose that. I would prefer not to cry in front of an audience, but that might happen if it's like a deep, very insightful piece. But there can be some that's just like, you know, more free-flowing, free-thought pieces where they're important to me because I um, wanted to capture this moment. But at the end of the day, I can play around with that moment just a little bit. I can make that moment very magical. Or I can make it serious because I really want you to pay attention to this moment. So I can make it surreal, even by the change of my voice just now. So that's how like you play around and that's how kind of like I play around the audience. So it depends. Like I, it goes back to like what I was saying, like the, the little list thing is what I want to tell them. Mm-hmm. And then they can figure out how they want to interpret it in a way. Right. That was a really good question. I never ever thought about that, to be honest with you. I just, um, part of it comes from being a musician. Um, like a lot of the time like if it's a crowd of five people when i'm on stage like i'm gonna go extra ballistic with it because like i know you know that there's i have to give more to accommodate for the like fewer people which you would think would be the opposite but you know i really go like you know heavy and crazy with stuff if it's like a smaller crowd um just because like that impact is you know more necessary Whereas, like, if there's a big crowd of people that I'm playing to, a lot of the energy in the room is generated by the crowd. So mm. I focus more on, um, like, a really tight performance. It's like the intimacy level switches. Right, yeah. So I, just, I just didn't know if, you know, you had a similar approach with poetry, which sounds like you kind of do. 
So if you, you dictate it a bit more than I do. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though, you know? Yeah. Hmm. So, have any of, like, your musical pieces, because I know you write your own songs, have any of them kind of started out as poetry, kind of? Uh, not so much. Um, usually the way that I write words, um, for music is, um, I come up with an idea and then I come up with a melody and then, you know, combining those two things, I figure out, you know, the length mm -hmm. of lines and like, you know, the clever way to say it. And then I do sort of like a revisionist, um, style of songwriting where, um, I'll write something pretty straightforward and then I'll go through and do sort of an edit to see what's a better way to say this, what's a more complex sort of uh, approach to conveying this idea, like, you know, what's something clever I can insert here that, you know, you know, rather than talking about, you know, an ex-lover, you know, talk about a vampire, <laughs> like, get, you know, don't just be this, like, straightforward, you know, simple sort of pop style songwriting like try and challenge your audience a little bit to consider i've always admired that about your music because um especially like when you are about to like i guess intro a song like oh, the song is about a bird oh yeah <laughs> the song is about burning witches and it's just like automatically i'm like as like an audience member i'm like how how did you make this up? Like, what is it? Okay, let me try to figure out, is it just one line? Will it be the chorus? Will it be kind of like the beat of the tone? Like, I that's the thoughts I think, yeah. like with the intro and it's exciting to see how you go with that. That's why one of my favorite things is kind of like when somebody put a little cliffhanger. You you kind of don't, cause you kind of don't explain it. You right. just like, yeah. hey, it's this. And then we figure out how I kind of like that. Because with poetry, it's kind of opposite. When we intro, we tell the whole backstory. Yeah. Where we was at, mm -hmm. why we decided to write it, maybe even the pen that we picked up and why. Yeah, I've noticed that, and I find it um, endearing. It seems like a lot of work to me. <laughs> I think of it almost like a movie, you know? Like, I don't want the, the title to be the whole script of a movie. Like, the title it's this simplified version like it's a very like you know simple single word two word sort of deal and then you watch the movie to experience the whole concept and the little minutiae um but when i when i watch um people perform poetry and they do give that sort of preamble i'm just like wow like i could never <laughs> like you know like it seems like a huge task to like be like hey i'm gonna tell you all of this detail and then give this sort of like very concise um execution of it in your your prose um so maybe it's like the opposite almost right kind of sort of yeah because a lot of the preamble that i hear is oftentimes more lengthy than the poem that they actually perform because mm -hmm. it's kind of like the preamble is like in the middle like the word map but it's like that middle part yeah and then everything around it is like you know six lines of similes that go back to it right if that yeah. makes sense yeah no totally so instead of us having that one word we have that 
the like a sentence, but we have four four like a short sentence going back to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's, I've never thought of it until literally just now. I haven't totally either. True. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of weird how yeah, my brain is like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, do you have like this like fame like a favorite famous piece that you can think of? Yeah, um, so really my like go-to is John Berryman Dream Songs, um, that's, you know, I absolutely love his work, it's, uh, challenging, and he's definitely like a flawed character, um, I say character like he's not a real person, um, <laughs> but he's, he's a, he was a flawed individual for sure, and there's a lot, lots to hate about him, but, um, there's some some of his pieces that just, you know, resonate so hard with me um, when I read them. And, uh, you know, dream song, any any of his dream songs and stuff like that. Um, I'm a huge, like, gothic sort of horror fan, so I love Poe. Um, you know, any, anything sort of dark and moody. And oftentimes, like, I think of, um, like, Nick Cave, uh, I consider him a poet for sure, um, even though a lot of people would just say he's a musician, but Nick Cave definitely, to me, is one of my favorite poets of all time, and, uh, like, another musician that I consider a poet, Leonard Cohen, um, you know, these are all, all people that have had a huge sort of influence on me, and, um, the things that I enjoy about poetry, and as a kid, I absolutely hated Shakespeare, but in my, you know, late, late years of now, <laughs> um, I've learned to appreciate Shakespeare a bit, so, some of it, not all of it, I'm not all the way there yet. <laughs> I really don't, um, I really don't read poetry that often or at all, to be honest with you. Um, anytime I know of a piece, it's been read to me before, and then I looked it up. But um, I know my favorite and the most impactful one is Phenomenal Woman by Maya Angelou. Um, that's what I always perform, and that was the first one I ever did in my public speaking class as well. And I was learning how to speak in front of people. The irony now, but um, yeah, that's always been my staple piece, to be honest with you. Yeah, I love when you do um, do that cover. I think you perform it really well, and it's one of those things where each time you perform that cover of Phenomenal Woman, I feel like it's very um, unique each time. Um, you don't, you know, covet the work. It's like you appreciate it enough to where you can make it your own each time you perform it. And I find that super empowering and super powerful that you're able to, yeah. you know, appreciate the piece well enough that, like, you know how to not disrespect it, but also, like, it's, you, you perform it as your own. It's a super strong piece, so. Thank you. It's funny because, like, I remember 
when I first heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, you can make poetry with sass? I love this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was so mind blown. It was crazy. It was like I had like this baby brain when it came to poetry. So figuring out different um, things and steps to realize what poetry actually is was a whole process. Um, I remember I always used a journal and it was one day I was writing some stuff and I was like, oh my God. It's like I'm just writing in similes and I was like, oh, that's a joke. I think in similes and metaphors because I'm always comparing things to other things so that people know exactly what I'm talking about. Because there's so many ideas that you can think but I want you to understand which one I'm thinking. Kind of immerse you in my world, kind of. And there's this poetry group at the city that I was in at the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, none of this stuff rhymes. They would never think I'm a poet. That doesn't make any sense. Um, so I tried to write a poem that rhymed. It's the worst poem I ever wrote in my life. I cringe at it. I hate it to this day. I, I try to even redo it to make it a rhyming poem. And I still do not like it because it was the most inorganic um, poem I've ever done. I did it for an audience, and I did it um, whenever I switched my words to try to rhyme and things like that, unless it comes naturally. It just doesn't um, have the same meaning. So I just had to learn poetry the weird way, I guess, instead of just like learning in school when it actually taught us. So it was one of those processes. Yeah, and you know, maybe that's. Uh why you love it so much is because you have so much ownership with it you know you had the opportunity to learn it from others but like you sort of almost discovering it on your own in your own way you know sometimes those moments are more heavy more impactful you know you know it's true it's kind of like when we were discussing earlier um we were, I was asking him what his favorite um, game was, and he was talking about Mega Man, and I was like, why? He went, I don't know, and then he had a flashback moment and realized, oh, my first ever game I had on my own that was mine, my first three games were um, Mega Man, Final Fantasy VIII, and what was the other one? Harvest Moon, Back to Nature. And so he was like, it's just that um, attachment, that connection. And so that's kind of like Segway. And so it's kind of like the same. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely, yeah. Everything come back full circle in life. But with that being said, thank you guys for listening and enjoy your night.